This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. The information presented on Money Talks is meant to provide general information about the topics discussed and is not necessarily the opinion of Mississippi Public Broadcasting. The information presented does not create any type of relationship between the hosts and guests and the listening audience. Please consult a financial advisor or any other qualified professional for guidance about your personal finance questions. Welcome back to Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Nancy Dr. Janderson, president of New Perspectives, and Ryder Tapp, portfolio manager at New Perspectives. They're also co-authors of the book Piggy Planet, Prudent Investors Get Going Young. Do you or someone you know need help in planning, preparing, or paying for college? Well, today our guest is Stephen Brown from Get to College. This non-for-profit organization provides free counseling services and Get to College centers in Jackson, Ocean Springs, and South Haven, and supports high school counselors throughout the state in helping students get to college and be successful once they get there. Also, we're ready to take any personal finance questions you have for us this morning. So give us a call to join the conversation. The number is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one eight seven seven. 672-7464 or send an email to money at mpbonline.org So good morning. I hope everyone has off uh, had a good new year off to a good start the new year, I hope. Good morning. Good morning. So far so good. Um, yeah, I, uh, I, well, I rang in the new year because I woke up at about oh eleven fifty eight and, and stayed up for a couple of minutes. But perfect timing. I pretty much had uh, mm-hmm. had gone to bed at about I don't know ten thirty, I guess. Yeah, uh, I was with you on that one. I, I I flaked out a little early, but I did go to a party. All right, very good. Where there were people older than me that I decided I can't keep up with. Them. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was trying to like fireworks on a windy beach, which was not real successful. Ooh. And I realized on New Year's Day that I had squatted down over said fireworks for long stretches of time because I was watching a football game or whatever, and I thought, gosh, my legs are awfully sore. And then I was trying to figure it out. I'm like, ah, that's what it was. Mm-hmm. So my career as a baseball catcher is also off the off the charts. So It's called old age. Exactly. That's what a shame. <laughs> uh, before we get to financial news, just a quick question that I had, and that is there's been a lot of talk about uh, in the tax, the um, standard deduction being doubled. Right. What, what sort of effect would that have? If you, if you get a return, should you expect to get a larger one? If you pay, should you expect to pay less? Well, the biggest thing that happens out of this is that a lot of people will not itemize. Mm-hmm. So you're only going to itemize if there's a greater amount that, you know, will go beyond that increased standard deduction. So that really cuts out a lot of work for us as we try to track all those expenses and try to do the paperwork. Um, And so that's a big change for most people. And let me give a little uh, broader view uh, that there's a a good handful of little things for uh, regular folks uh, like us in the tax bill. Um, One big change, especially if you've been doing it yourself by paper, they have... 
uh, radically changed the forms. Um, and by radically changed the forms, I mean they took one section and moved it onto a different piece of paper. It's crazy. That's a lot of change for the government to do all in one day uh, or one year. Um, and so this is the first year that folks will be filing under the new tax uh, tax bill. Um, like we mentioned, it's up to $12,000 for the standard deduction. But that replaces... Per person. Per person. But that also replaces um, exemptions. Which, exactly. So previously, you know, you would have your personal deduction of, you know, about 6000 You would have had a personal exemption of about 4000 You would have already been sitting at $10,000 uh, right there and still had the ability to itemize. So if you itemized... You still had four thousand on top of that. So, for folks who did itemize just to get a little extra, is going to knock them out. For folks who are itemizing a lot, it might not actually make as big of a difference as um, as people uh, think. Now, there is um, an increase in the child tax credit. So, for those families who have childcare that they're dealing with, they may find that they get a bigger refund because mm-hmm. of that. Yeah, and more of that is refundable as well. So. Mm-hmm. All right. Very good. It is a time where I think where people uh, start thinking about taxes. Usually at the end of January, I guess most people get their W-2s and then uh, tax season, I guess, is officially in full swing. Uh, What about some other financial news in the news? Uh, Well, as someone pointed out, uh, the seven day period from before Christmas, um, the Christmas holiday to after New Year's or right at kind of seven day stock trading period, uh, they noted was one of the uh, quietest uh, on record. However, if you look at the days in between, uh, the day before Christmas was down an absurd amount, uh, several percent. Three, four, five, about three. Know. Depends yeah. on what market you're looking at. Uh, the day after Christmas was right back up again. So um, I'm sure it made some interesting uh, conversations. So, yeah, I think the uh, word of the year may be volatility. Uh, we have maybe. just so much uncertainty. We have a government shutdown we're dealing with right now. Uh, we are still dealing with trade talks with China. And uh, today it looks like they're positive, so we're mm-hmm. swinging in the other direction. Yeah, just I mean, it's just one of the wild things. You know, people see the stock market every day, and you hear about it, and that volatility can drive you crazy, but over longer periods, even just a week, for instance, you know, it's a lot less exciting, and over longer periods, we still invest because we expect that long, larger growth. Okay, so uh, this morning we're looking for your personal finance questions, but also uh, we're talking about uh, planning, preparing, and paying for college. If you have a question on either of those topics, give us a call. The number is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. You can email the show. It's money at mpbonline.org. So joining us in the studio this morning from the Woodward Hines Education Foundation and its Get to College program, Stephen Brown. Stephen, thanks for being with us today. Absolutely. Good morning. So if you would uh, tell us a little bit about uh, the Woodward Hines Educational Foundation first, and then we'll talk specifically about the Get to College program. Okay. So the Woodward Hines Education Foundation is a 501c3 that um, assists Mississippi students in planning and paying for college. And Get to College is a program of WEF that provides uh, college planning services, uh, college counseling, um, ACT prep, everything that falls under that umbrella of making sure that our students are equipped with what they need to not just have access, but also success once they actually uh, persist through college. So uh, talk to us about the need. Uh, How does Mississippi maybe compare with other states in terms of numbers of high school students who do graduate and go on to college? 
Well, just because of the economy of the state, a large percentage of our students, um, I'm offhand, I'm not really the data person in the office, so you have to forgive me, but um, possibly even about 70% are going to be students that are would fall under the... Um, the umbrella of underserved sets, high need, low income, um, first generation. So a lot of these students, they're going to be Pell eligible. They're going to be eligible for a Pell grant from the federal government. So, like I said, these are typically your lower uh, your lower income students, and with the rising cost of college, we're just constantly trying to find ways to offset that to make it more financially possible for our students to make it through there. And so that's that's your kind of target audience, then I would guess. Absolutely, right, right, right. Okay, mm-hmm. uh, looks like we uh, well not quite yet, uh, but uh, so tell us a little bit about then the types of assistance uh, that you can provide uh, to these would be college students. So once again, anything that falls under that umbrella, so that includes. Uh, ACT prep, uh, FAFSA completion, and completion of the uh, state aid application for Mississippi higher Mississippi institutes, institutions of higher learning. Excuse me. Um, if that means career assessments, if that means. Um, Honestly, just helping them put together a game plan of this is where I am right now and I'm not sure how to get into the school I want to go to or even the application process. How do I apply? How do I get in touch with recruiters or set up campus visits? How do I uh, set up job shadowing days? Anything that falls under that umbrella. And the great part about our organization is everything is 100% free. So there are no charges at all. And I just want to point out, speaking of job shadowing, uh, we recently had a high school student in Jackson uh, shadow. Uh, well, you know, it's a small office. They shadowed the whole office. Um, and and Stephen helped uh, helped set that up. So part of it, you know, they have more connections than your average high school student. So helping out with shadowing, which was great. You know, she learned a little bit about the business. And we talked a lot about, you know, they're in high school. She doesn't necessarily know exactly what she wants to do, just how to explore that and how to approach college. Uh, so that, I think that was a really good opportunity for her. And it was really fun for us, too. And once again, while our, our target, uh, well, the majority of the students that we serve tend to be high school students. But I want to make sure it's understood that if they are adult students, any non-traditional students, it doesn't matter if you're a Mississippian and you're trying to get to college. That's what we're there for. And you mentioned FAFSA. If you would remind us what that is. The FAFSA is the free application for federal student aid. It's uh, from the de- Department of Education. It's based on your household size and family income. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's take a, a call before our first break. So we say good morning to Robert, who's called in from Jackson. Robert, you're on there with us. Go ahead, please. Yes, please. About the volatility in the stock market, um, is, it, is it not true that with all these algorithms and, and traders working um, with special speeds to the floor and things of that nature, that this is causing a lot of the gyration. And for the investors, the problem is just to stay in there and stick it out. Well, I would say that um, we do have a lot of what we call program trading going on. Exactly, exactly. And um, those are um, – those 
begin by when they hit certain barriers that they go through, and trades are automatic. And what we have been seeing a lot lately is um, we'll see maybe the market is really up a lot in the morning, and then suddenly it disappears by the end of the day, or vice versa. So that tells us that we've got a lot of trading going on, possibly the program traders that are getting in during the day and getting out because there is so much uncertainty. So, yes, they play a part in that and may make those swings bigger, but overriding all of that is the uncertainty related to trade, our government, and the economy in general. So, and one thing about it with the computers getting, computers are able to trade a lot faster than humans, but uh, time investors' time horizons and investors who can have a shorter time horizon, they've been shrinking for a long time. You know, back when companies first started, you, you weren't, you didn't start a company to start trading your stock on it. Um, now, my concern but, is this. Um, I feel that investors are not doing much in the stock market anymore. It's all these people playing around with the Internet and all these other contraptions. Well, I'm going to disagree with you because there's, you know, if you think about this move towards our 401ks, um, we don't have as many pensions out there. So that's the way most of us participate in the stock market is through a 401k. And most people, I know there are those out there who look at that 401k every day and make changes. Most people do not. That's exactly right. And and he, here's some kind of broader implications of, you know, increasing computers in, in participating in the stock market. We can all access these computers. Every time you place a trade in your online trading account, every time you place a trade in your 401k, well, then it's the manager who then pl- places actual stock trades for you. But every time you do that, those orders get routed through people with much, much faster computers than you will ever have. And they use those computers to get you the best price they can. Yes. They do take a little cut of that, but that's how those trades get placed. That's how those trades have always gotten placed. And so has increasing the number any, of computers in there, there. Has and, there been any uh, consideration of the stock market doing something about these people that are faster and slower and things of that nature? Oh, what's the book, writer? Um Oh, what oh, the a, one about the new stock, the investors exchange. Yeah, Is it's. That, um, uh, I can't. I cannot remember the name. Flash of Boys. Flash Boys. That's it. So you need to read Flash Boys because we have jumped in and addressed some of these things that are going on, but we still know it happens out there. My problem as an investor is I think that Congress has ignored the Internet as it has grown in controlling our lives, our culture, and everything else. And I... uh, um, so I guess if we're concerned about this, we should call our congressman or senator. Well, I'm going to go back to what you said earlier in the phone call, which is if you're a, an investor, really you need to focus on the long term and don't get too excited with all of the volatility gyrations in the meantime. All right, Robert, we appreciate your call. Uh, we need to take a quick break. When we get back, we'll continue our discussion about paying for college with advice from our guest, Stephen Brown, of the program Get to College. Uh, also, we're looking for your personal finance questions, as we do each Tuesday. So give us a call at one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one 672 Or you can email the show money at mpbonline.org. So do you think your student will attend college on an athletic scholarship? We'll tell you what percentage actually does when we get back from this break. This is MPB Think Radio. 
This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Welcome back to Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. I'm Kevin Farrell here with Nancy Lotcher-Janderson, president of New Perspectives and Ryder Taft, portfolio manager at New Perspectives. If you ever miss part of this show, you can go to mpbonline.org slash talks to listen again. You can also download the MPB Public Media app. When you have that on your smartphone, you're able to listen to all the programs on MPB Think Radio on your schedule. Our guest today is Stephen Brown from Get to College. Uh, so we're getting advice on planning, preparing, and paying for college. Um, and before the break, we... Uh, asked about uh, high school athletes earning athletic scholarships. According to the NCAA, only about 2% of high school athletes are awarded some form of athletic scholarship to compete in college, uh, but there are other scholarships available, and that's part of what we're talking about uh, this morning. A reminder of the phone number to make your call is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. Also, you can show, uh, send an email to money at mpbonline.org. So, Stephen, we talked a little bit, it sort of got into the conversation of the types of uh, services and, and assistance that Get to College can offer. Mm-hmm. Uh, where are you located in Mississippi? Well, we have three uh, brick-and-mortar centers, uh, one in, located right here in Jackson, uh, one in South Haven, uh, which serves eight, excuse me, it serves uh, six counties in North Mississippi, eight counties in North Mississippi. Um, we have the Jackson Center, which serves about seven or so counties and we have Ocean Springs which serves that's an eight, seven, six. <laughs> the counties on the uh, on the Gulf Coast but we have uh, additional employees that serve the everything outside of that all the other counties in the state too uh, and tell us a little bit about the website first tell us the website and, and maybe what sort of information folks could find there so the website is get to college.org that's get the number two college.org and there's everything from professional development days because in addition to serving students we also serve high school counselors or um, even community members that want to learn how to do FAFSA completion or um, even recently we've started doing ACT teacher training so we have our set dates where we're well, we have uh, students, and we conduct four-hour ACT prep workshops with them, but we also want to train teachers so that they can uh, implement those same kind of strategies into their normal curriculum with their students. Stephen, mm-hmm. um, with Pell Grants, you, you can have someone who is qualified for that, but there is a limit to those, right? What do you mean? Um, as in there, there's a, a limit to the number of hours they will cover, the grant will cover? Right. So essentially the – a Pell Grant, you can get it for up to 12 semesters, but that has to be within their undergraduate program. Right. And, right. and so. a lot of people change majors and they, you know, they may have stumble along the way if they're not totally prepared. And that's my concern with some of that is that they, they lose those grants and then they don't finish. Right. And even with the loans that people qualify for, uh, we know that the highest default rate are among those people who never complete the degree. Right. Do you guys offer any kind of help with those students as they are in college? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Because we have we have um, 
once again, adult students who are who have started a career and then want to change careers and they still need to they may have they may have even already garnered a bunch of credit hours but never actually completed a degree program, which is why the the new complete to complete program has been um hmm. has been implemented recently, and so we're spreading the information about that but I want to take a step back and say that as far as aiding in making sure they can complete is proper guidance before they even start. Well, I'm so, going to say to you, yeah. even before that, right. is um, we also in Mississippi need to focus on our K through 12. Absolutely. Because that really is what determines whether... Ooh, Nancy's going to start preaching. I am going to start right, preaching. Right, right. Because um, that's what I saw in the classroom, that depending on which school system a student came out of had a huge impact on whether they could succeed in the classroom. Yeah, definitely. Because what you have is, once again, a lot of our students are first generation. So we have parents that have Mm -hmm. no idea how the process works. Okay, so what happens is you have a student that says, you know what, I've grown up loving this college. I always go to their football games. That's where I want to go. Okay, now that I'm at this school, what majors are they good at? Okay, well, I'll major in that. And now that I have this major, okay, now what career can I get with this? And then they end up either not enjoying that and changing their majors, you know, seven or eight times, or they finish the degree program and never actually pursue a career in that field. Whereas what we encourage students to do is, okay, we'll start at the destination. Once again, if you know that this is the career that you could eventually see yourself pursuing, Let's get you in touch with someone who does it every day for a living and work backwards. Let's start the destination and work backwards. Because if you go to a job shadow one day with Ryder and you see it for two hours, you may say, and you know what? And you're totally bored I don't because, think you I- know, like, what is he doing back there? Right, right. <laughs> or, if you, or if you may love it. And so you ask Ryder, okay, well, where did you go to school for this? Mm. Like, did you have to get a master's for this? Or did you, was it okay to just get a bachelor's? Um, it doesn't matter if I start at a community college or not. Or do I need to go to a four-year university the entire time. And there's just so much insight that can be gained by, like I said, starting at the destination. Well, I, I just think it's, it's, it's more important to have support for those students who right. don't have families who's ever been through the process. Absolutely. Who um, maybe they don't have as strong of uh, a, a background as they had it, or they are, they're just clueless about which direction they want to go in. So that requires more help and assistance after they get there. Right. And that's, that's exactly where we come in. That's exactly where we come in. And and career services at the universities as well, depending on how they're structured. But once again, all of our services are free and we're open to, you know, to anyone who who asks, honestly. So I, I don't want to chase this path too long, but for, you know, college isn't necessarily for everybody. You know, some people can have, you know, great careers doing things that you don't need. a You don't need a bachelor's for. You may not even need an associate's degree for. Uh, for students who... Do y'all ever look at a student who comes to y'all and you're just like, I'm sorry, but this, you know, you're, you're not gonna, you're not gonna get into a school that you want. Like, there's not a lot that we can do. You know, there's only so much we can do. Here's some other, here's some non-college options, or here's, here's something you should do for a couple of years before trying college again. I'll say this. I I never say that I'm in the business of uh, of crushing a student's dreams, but I'm also not right. in the business of, of selling them <laughs> so dreams. Say it either. more tactfully yeah, than I'm, I did, hopefully. Yeah, but. definitely. I'm I'm not in the business of selling them a dream either, though. Mm-hmm. So this is the way it'll look. Um, 
I'm just speaking totally hypothetically. I have a student that comes in and says, I want to be a doctor one day, so I'm going to go to Ole Miss because they, you know, UMC, University of Mississippi, so I'm going to go to Ole Miss. Okay. If this student, depending on their ACT score, I can say, okay, well, based on what your ACT score is right now, you have a, a 21. As of right now, you do not qualify for an academic scholarship from Ole Miss. Mm-hmm. Okay, so every college's website, and I hope everybody knows this, but every college's website has something called a net price calculator that gives you the breakdown of how much everything at that school is going to cost. It's mandated by law that they have to have it on their website so that, you know, like I said, people can plan for how much I'm going to have to pay for. And then we discount all of those. Okay. Yeah. So based on your ACT score, you don't qualify for an academic scholarship from this school. So... You have the option to borrow loans for the majority of it, mm-hmm. you know, to even if you get a small portion of a, of a Pell Grant, get that little bit of free money. But then a lot of it is going to be paid for in loans or out of pocket. Mm-hmm. You get to be a junior. You take organic chemistry. You realize that being it's a doctor not is not for you. Not for you. <laughs> not for right? you. That's the usual said, class you know that knocks everybody okay. out. And you say, instead, you know, I think I'm going to major <clears throat> in blah, blah, blah. And the major that you end up being interested in, the school doesn't even have it. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It's like so for a lot of our students, what I, what I would say to a student in that case, if they're, you know, before they even get to that point, I'm not here to once again tell you that your number one choice school can't be your number one choice. But make let's make sure you give yourself some options. Mm-hmm. At Ole Miss, no, you would not qualify for an academic scholarship with um with a twenty one. But if you are interested, um, but no matter where you go, for the most part, you're going to be taking the same um, prerequisite classes. Yeah. So, had you considered starting off at a community college, let's Perfect. say yeah. at Holmes, mm-hmm. you'll be taking the exact same classes you would have at Ole Miss for those first two years. With a 20, you get full tuition. So, you're getting your first two years out mm-hmm. of the way for free, plus you have that time to figure out, is this really the career field that I want to go into? You get to mm-hmm. do some more research. Yeah. So, you're saving money you are um, earning that foundation. And of course, once you finish your two years at the community college and earn an associate's degree, you transfer into the university as a junior. Okay, well now, juniors at Ole Miss don't have to live on campus. You don't have to have a meal plan. So that huge cost of attendance that we were looking at as an incoming freshman has now been scaled down quite a bit because mm-hmm. we have more options. Plus, like I said, we already have a tangible degree that we're moving into our junior year with. So, like I said, it's all about if we can catch them on the front end, more preventative than mm-hmm. than treatment, mm-hmm. basically. That, I think that's going to be the... Um, the best plan of action for most of our students. This is Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. Time for another break. We're visiting today with Stephen Brown from Get to College about the services they offer students. We're also, as we do, look for your personal finance questions. The number to call is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one 672 7464 or email the show. Send it to money at mpbonline.org. We've got Craig and Jenny on the line. We'll get to your calls right after this break. And also, do you like to take internet surveys? We've got a survey that you can take that will help you or someone else determine career interest. We'll give you details when we return from this break on MPB Think Radio.
This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Welcome back to Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Nancy Lotter-Danderson and Ryder Taft. Our guest today is Stephen Brown from Get to College. So we're getting advice on uh, preparing and planning and paying for college. Uh, before the break, we talked about a survey that you could take for career interest. Uh, it's actually on the Get to College website. Uh, it's a link to the ONET Inter- Inter- Interest Profiler, sponsored by the U.S. Department of Labor, Employment, and Training Administration. And it'll help uh, you or someone you might know that uh, maybe is going to college and you're giving them some advice, uh, kind of help them figure out where they might enjoy uh, uh, and have a successful career. We've got some calls to get to, so let's start first with uh, Craig in Biloxi. Craig, you're on the air with us. Go ahead, please. Yeah, good morning. Uh, yeah, I was wondering how how you get how you find out about what scholarships are available. Uh, when I was growing up, there it was a big secret. I mean, you couldn't find any. You know, I mean, you can't knock on a door if it's invisible. Right. So, um, so once again. Uh, there are four different types of financial aid. Remember when we were talking about that net price calculator and how it will give you the total cost of attendance at a college? Well, there are right. four different types of financial aid to bring down that cost. So the first type would be outside aid. So that means uh, private scholarships. So Walmart, Nike, Coca-Cola, Regions Bank, all the businesses that you um, have passed by on your way to work or wherever you went to today, they have to file yeah, and, taxes. And, and, and how do you get a hold of them? I mean, how do you, how do you find out? You go to their website? Well, they're, uh, sometimes they'll have them on their website, but also I can give you some uh, some private scholarship websites, some uh, free and totally legit search engines such as FastWeb.com, Unigo.com, and BigFuture.com. Again, it's FastWeb.com, Unigo, U-N-I-G-O.com, and BigFuture.com. And the way those work, once again, they're all free. Um, and students will create a profile with their name, email address, what they want to major in, and they'll find scholarships that are tailored just to their profile. Now, having said that, I want to make sure that it's understood that truthfully with applying for those big national scholarships, sometimes it can kind of be like playing the lottery. Mm-hmm. Okay, so if I have a student that still has to come up with another twenty thousand dollars, no, I'm probably not going to say, "Well, make sure you, you know, fill out that Coca Cola." You know, twenty one thousand no. dollars scholarships from no. national brands. Right, only about thirteen percent of students or of incoming freshmen are receiving some type of outside scholarship like that, and typically it's going to be a one time disbursement. So while it's worth it, I still wouldn't spend all my time on that. Uh, your time is really going to be better spent doing ACT prep because that's typically going to be a, um, a guaranteed scholarship. Okay. Is, is there any scholarships that will find you? Scholarship well, programs other than athletic? Well, yeah, yeah. That's what I'm getting to. So, uh, so like I said, those are just, those are private, but what I would also do if I'm going to go the private route, private scholarships, I would look locally. I would look for a statewide and countywide scholarships because they're going to, because they're going to have a smaller applicant pool, but that's yeah, just, like, that's like only a, one type of financial aid. Cause then you have, yeah, insta- if, you had, if you had straight A's, would someone come in and send you a letter? Right. So that's where institutional scholarships come in because colleges yeah. have money for students, and that can be based on a number of different factors. They have need-based scholarships based on your income. They have uh, uh, the academic merit ones like your ACT score, your GPA, athletics, um, 
special organizations, first university. There's all to- all types of scholarships. Um, I know. I don't know if you were listening earlier when I mentioned uh, about students that start at a community college, but there's an organization called Phi Theta Kappa, which is only available to students that start at a junior college. But if you have at least a 3.5 GPA and 12 hours of college credit, you can be inducted into this honor society so that when you do transfer, they have transfer scholarships that you can get as well. Like I said, those are all uh, university-based. Okay, that sounds like good programs to me. Right, right, absolutely. And uh, then there's also federal aid, so that's money coming from the federal government based on your household size and family income, and you would get that by um, completing the FAFSA, and that would determine your eligibility for that. But that includes the Pell Grant, which, of course, is, like I said, a grant that you don't pay back, um, it, federal work study where students can have a job on campus, um, uh, supplemental educational opportunity grants for students with extreme need and a, a, a zero expected family contribution or even student loans. All that still falls under that. But then there's also a fourth type, which we're really privileged to have is state aid. So, um, Mississippi Office of Student Financial Aid has three programs, one called MTAG, Mississippi Tuition Assistance Grant. What we always hear is uh, parents say, oh, well, we make too much money, so we're not going to qualify for anything. Well, if you have at least a 15 on the ACT and a 2.5 GPA, that's 500 bucks right there. And there's wow. no income limit, okay? So 15 on the ACT, 2.5 GPA, and they have to be taking at least 15 hours per semester. There's one that's a bit more competitive called MESG, Mississippi Eminent Scholars Grant, which you would need a 29 on the ACT and a 3.5 GPA to get that. But then, uh, and once again, there's no income limit for that. But the uh, only one that is need-based is from the state of Mississippi. It's called the HELP Grant, H-E-L-P, the Higher Education Legislative Plan for Needy Students. If a student has at least a 20 on the ACT, at least a 2.5 GPA, they uh, meet the IHL required curriculum, and their parents make within a certain income, the HELP Grant will actually pay full tuition all four years to any public school in the state of Mississippi. And um, if you want to go to a private school, it'll pay up to the tuition of the closest public school to that university. So what that makes it possible, if if a student has all four of those, that's really what we want to shoot for, to to shoot for all four types of financial aid to bring that cost down. All right, Craig, good question. Thanks for the call. Let's move on. Next, we've got uh, Jenny, who's called in from Neshoba County. Jenny, thanks for waiting. You're on the air with us, so go ahead, please. Good morning. Morning. Good morning. We, I, I heard it briefly mentioned that it's got to start K through 12, and there is nothing else that improves a student's scores K through 12 like participating in a music program, particularly band or choir. And those programs also carry over to college where there are more band scholarships available than there are athletic scholarships by far. All right, uh, Jenny, thanks for the call. Uh, Stephen, maybe follow up on that a little bit. Uh, Is it important as a parent maybe to try to get your child interested in extracurricular activity? Does that help out when paying for college? Absolutely, because uh, once again, in addition to schools having academic merit scholarships, they also have leadership scholarships. They want to know what have you done in your four years of high school besides go to class and go home. So they want to know that you were on student government or that you uh, have over 100 community service hours Mm -hmm. 
that you participate in these summer enrichment programs. So it's important to uh, to get our students in, involved and then find out from the recruiters directly what type of scholarships are available at that school uh, as far as leadership. And and that goes into, you know, we've talked a lot before about reducing the costs of college and making yourself an attractive candidate for college because applying to college is competitive. There are a lot of other kids trying to go to the same school. And, you know, yeah, you know, your academics, if that stands out, well, there's a whole bunch of other standout academic kids. Um, so what's going to what show that school that you you're the right fit for them. Um, you know, if there's a school that they take great pride in their band, you know, then yeah, you know, that might be a thing for you to go for if 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 you've if you've shown that you're dedicated to band and you're very good at that. Um, so those sort of things, participating in community service, uh, leadership in clubs and other outside activities, you know, that shows up really good to schools and not only makes you more likely to get in, but might open you up to uh, just a whole nother array of scholarships if they have some specifically for things outside of athletics or outside of just academics. Yeah, and the, and you'd honestly be surprised how much is available if you would just talk to the recruiter, but we have a lot of students who are applying just kind of blind and not forging that uh, relationship with their regional recruiter that can give them information about But that goes back to what you said earlier. Um, we are still seeing, and we certainly saw this at Mississippi College, a lot of first-generation right. students. Yeah. So so when you don't have family members who know how to help you navigate the process, you know, what is, you know, does an 18 year old know how to That's step That's what he's in? for. He's that family I know, member. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Let Stephen right. Brown be your family. <laughs> Seriously. But because we do, we, I have students in, let's say, I'll, um, or one of our staff members, not just me, uh, will go to. Uh, JPS High School and speak to the entire senior class and say look these are different things you need to be thinking about as far as the application process these are some important deadlines and reminders but here's my contact information any questions you have about college mm -hmm. all you have to do is ask we have you know a, a streamlined kind of to-do list on a bookmark these are the 10 things that you need to do to prepare for college but this is my email address all you have to do is ask so if you are interested in 15 different schools okay will you send me an email with a list of 15 different schools names and I'll give you the uh, recruiters name email address and phone number all you have to do is ask. So yeah. I try to make sure that that my students have that open line of communication. But I think a lot of people think it's too good to be true initially mm -hmm. so they don't jump at it. But then the ones that have actually taken advantage of our services, like I said, this is my sixth year at Get to College. And now I'm getting those college um uh, graduation invitations. Oh, that's, that's fun. Awesome. That's, that's fun. Right. So yeah. Well, I mean, that's so hard as a, uh, as a as a high school student. Someone's like, literally, I it tells you, I am here for you, and you can ask me things. I mean, that's even hard in the professional world. So you know, you'll meet someone, they'll be like, oh, you know, I I know about this. I'm happy to help you out if you can. You know, it, it, sometimes you're hesitant to you're hesitant to call them because you don't, you know, how serious was that offer? Um, would they even remember me? You know, if I saw you in a high High school auditorium, I'd be like, okay, that was great. I'm just gonna ask my mom. So you know that. I mean, that's tough. And and, and reaching out to folks, I mean, that's a, that's tough. Well, the other thing is, uh, I you know most. 
18-year-olds don't understand the timeline. Right. You know, right. it is January of 2019. You're already a little bit behind yeah, absolutely. on applying for the fall semester. Absolutely. So uh, I'd say uh, personally, one of my favorite uh, workshops to conduct is for rising seniors. Um, so at the towards the end of their junior year, we'll start going out to different high schools doing these uh, workshops, mm-hmm. like saying, okay, these are some things you need to be doing over the summer. Because look, that's guys, awesome. that's if you're like applications for the majority of colleges in the nation are going to open on August 1st. You're not even back at school yet on August 1st. The school year hasn't started yet. Ole Miss starts July 1st. The applications <laughs> wow. are open. So... If students have have no clue of where they're even interested in going at that point, like I said, we're already behind. behind schedule. If we have not taken the ACT or only taken it once at that time, we're kind of working behind schedule. So we try to catch them as early as possible and give them information that's going to be appropriate to whatever grade level they're in right then. We need to take one final break this hour. When we get back, we will continue our discussion. Our guest today is Stephen Brown from Get to College. We've been talking about uh, the uh, advice and uh, assistance that they offer to uh, students getting to and being successful in college. And we always look for personal finance questions as well. The phone number to call is 1-877-MPB-RING. It's 1-877-672-7464. And when we get back, we've got some sobering news about the state of Mississippi when it comes to the dangers of student loans and uh, uh, Um, delinquency rates. This is Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Welcome back to Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Nancy Lotter-Janderson, president of New Perspectives and Ryder Taft, portfolio manager at New Perspectives. We're also visiting today with Stephen Brown from Get to College. Uh, it's a, uh, and we're talking about um, the assistance uh, that the program can uh, give to students uh, when planning and preparing and paying for college. Uh, we have an email here, though, it's sort of the personal finance-related uh, question, and it says, uh, I'd like to buy a car until it dies recently. I accompanied a friend to buy a new car, and she decided to lease rather than buy after talking to the salesperson. She was told that leasing to buy uh, when the lease is up is cheaper in the long run than buying the car up front. Do you have any thoughts? No. Oh, wait, 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 wait. No, you have to look at the numbers. Don't trust the salesperson on this. But I I was actually just thinking about this yesterday because sometimes, um, I wouldn't imagine that it's happening right now, sometimes car companies get so desperate to move their cars that they do have some phenomenal deal and it will be often will be in the lease and I remember one a couple years back it was um, it was specifically it was for a Nissan Leaf so it was an electric vehicle and it was a base model is about $28,000 if you bought it new, you got an $8,000 federal tax credit. But they did a $100 a month lease 
which is super cheap. Um, and how it worked was you leased it for four years at $100 a month. So you'd pay about $4,800. And then you had an option to buy it at about twelve dollars or $13,000 after that. And so if you add up all that money, that $8,000 federal tax credit, take that off, makes the cost of the car $20,000. And then that twelve dollars or $13,000 you're only paying about $16,000. But that's so, unusual. Again, again, again. That's so unusual. That, sort of, that is a huge, I mean, that was $4,000 off right. the low price right. car. But typically. Typically, leasing is more expensive. Yeah, because However, sometimes they entice you. However, sometimes you do see that sort of deal. The reason, the reason it's easy to sell a lease to somebody is because it has that just super low monthly payment. It will be the lowest monthly payment. Um, but if anyone is ever thinking about doing a lease to buy sit down and do all the calculations yourself or have your friend who knows how to work a good Excel spreadsheet sit down and do all the calculations for you. Because um, as a general rule, you're better off buying, especially if your intention is to drive that car, as this person said, mm-hmm. until it dies. Mm-hmm. Because you get enticed by a lower monthly payment, but there are typically strict limits on the mm-hmm. mileage per year and then you don't own anything. Yeah, I kind of like I like the person and whoever sent that in, I plan on buying a used car and driving it till I die. I mean, if you are driving it till it dies, excuse me, um, don't die in your car. That's bad and dangerous for others on the road. Um, because even that, you know, buying an inexpensive used car, you know, you, you drive it for five or ten years. I don't know how long it's going to last you, how long you're going to drive it. Your your total cost of ownership is just, is just so much lower than buying a new car, even if that new car lasts a little bit longer and smells a little bit better for the first three and a half days. Right. And I, I went the route of buying a late model used car when I had to replace my car mm-hmm. uh, that got uh, T-boned and, and totaled. Yeah. So. Uh, and and you probably bought one that had been leased. Yeah, I, I think yeah. there's a couple of sweet spots. And I mean, one of them is, you know, ones that have just come off of a real short lease. Uh, my car, someone had someone had owned it for six months and then it sat in the dealer's lot for another six months and they were ready to get it out of the lot. And also remember, a salesman is trying to sell you something. So Absolutely. don't, you know, they, they're not necessarily outright fibbing, but do you do want to check to make sure that what they're saying is true? And as Ryder said, I think the best thing to do would be to get your options, either you or someone that you know that's better f- mm-hmm. with financial number crunching uh, to really work out and see what uh, is check the best. The math. Qu- qu- just a quick story. When I f- bought my <laughs> other car, there was a choice between the green car and the brown car, and the green car was, I don't know, $15 a month extra. And so the, the salesman was like, oh, if you want green, we want you to get the green car. And my friend who was with me pulled me to the side and he said, do you realize how much more the green car is going to cost over the life over of the, the home? Of and it was yeah. several thousand dollars. And all of a sudden I said, you know, that brown car doesn't look too bad. <laughs> okay, we got a caller to get to. Uh, Fulton is is on the line from Jackson. Fulton, you're on the air with us. Go ahead, please. Hi, Fulton. Are you with us? Yes, oh. I, I'm, I'm here. I just took a, a quick break here in the office. Okay, go ahead. Um, I was listening to your your previous um, uh, person, Stephen Brown, and I've, I've worked with Stephen. My daughter is currently working with Mr. Brown, and he's an, an outstanding resource of information uh, for the various aspects of funding for <laughs> students, uh, as well as student-athletes uh, acquiring various scholarships uh uh, um, attending the various schools around the uh, state. So I uh, just 
it is true. Uh, we're currently working with him, and I think that uh, the unfortunate thing is there should be a line outside of his door clear out to Lakeland Drive. Uh, Sounds uh, like it. Acquire this information. So uh, just wanted to make a brief comment on Mr. Brown and his uh, wealth of knowledge that he has and the information that he has uh, for students. Uh, we're looking to get the college in for parents. Uh, is there educational for the parents as well? All right. That's awesome. Thanks, Thanks for that Fulton, call. for the call. You know, Stephen, and one thing that you mentioned before the break that I think is, is probably kind of powerful when you talk to those, as you said, you know, the rising seniors is, as you mentioned, you've been doing it for a while, so you've got people coming back, you're getting college graduation invitations. Right. But to be able to, to, you know, to show someone like, hey, look, this isn't just talk. This is someone that's actually done this and benefited from going to college and that sort of thing. It, it, it's a powerful testimonial, I guess. Look, it. So, so I know I mentioned to you that uh, that help grant just a minute ago. And what's crazy is so many people in the state still don't even know that it exists. But for um, low income, high achieving students, this is a game changer. This can be the difference between whether you can go to college or not. And so to sit down with a student and a parent and they're like, oh, well, yeah, I don't know how in the world my kid is ever going to go to college because I definitely can't afford it. And we have five kids in the household. I'm a single parent, blah, blah, blah. And you can tell them through these different series of scholarships and grants and opportunities, you know your student's actually going to get paid to go to college, and you have people that are bursting into tears in front of us and, like, hugging you and doing praise dances and everything. <laughs> and it's, it's awesome to be able to share that uh, share that information. Stephen, mm-hmm. tell us your website again, because we, we had such a testimonial about uh, right. <laughs> the value and also where your offices are located and maybe a phone number. Right. So our website is gettocollege.org. So G-E-T, the number two, college.org. Um, we have three brick-and-mortar centers. One is in South Haven, Mississippi. One is in Jackson. And one is in Ocean Springs, where we do serve the entire state. Um, for parents that can't come, we also have uh, remote FAFSA completion services. We have a chat feature where we can answer any college or admissions-related questions. Um, we have ACT workshops in, in the uh, in February, we'll actually be doing six ACT teacher trainings. So uh, one in the Delta area, one in South Haven, one in Tupelo area, and then Jackson Hattiesburg in the Gulf Coast. All right. That's going to wrap up for today. Money Talks is a production of MPB Think Radio, funded in part by generous financial support from you, our listeners. To hear today's show or previous show, one way to find it is to go to mpbonline.org slash talks. Or you can listen to the podcast. Just search for Money Talks on your favorite podcast app. Our show is produced by Liz Gill, and our call screener today was Java Chapman. So for Nancy Lotter-Janderson, Ryder Taft, and our guest Stephen Brown, I'm Kevin Farrell, inviting you to stay tuned up next at 10. It's In Legal Terms. We'll be back next Tuesday at 9 for another Money Talks heard only on MPB Think Radio.